My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once, with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas. This is the Totally Useless Information Podcast with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And today on the show, we'll talk about these topics. Geography. A brand new topic called dreams. Uh, Sports. And we'll open up the mailbag. So listen, laugh, and learn. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 16. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. The Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. Welcome to the Totally Useless Information Fashion Show. Oh yeah, I wore my my pumps today. (laughs) (laughs) The pea coat, the legendary, the traditional pea coat. I had one as a kid, did you? Yes, I just still do. I have one. Cool. The history of the peacoat is deeply rooted in military and naval backgrounds. The peacoat has been around since the 1800s, when the first variation was worn by the Dutch. The name peacoat originated from the Dutch word pia, which was used in the Dutch language to describe a coat made from coarse wool fabric. So thanks to the Dutch, we now have a peacoat. No, I have a peacoat. I actually have a, a nice blue peacoat. And I also have uh, some Depends, which I call my pea pants. <laughs> well done. Millions and millions of fashion magazines are sold around the world every year. But did you know that the first fashion magazine ever sold was in 1586? And you know where? Germany! <laughs> Woods and was the best magazine. In the world. <laughs> All right. I didn't, I didn't realize they had jingles back then. He's like, oh, you look so good. Good. <laughs> I don't know if you wear pajamas, but I do. And the word pajama comes from the Hindu pajama, meaning leg clothing, and its usage dates back to the Ottoman Empire. Pajamas were traditionally loose drawers or trousers tied at the waist with a drawstring, and they were worn by both sexes in India, Iran, Pakistan and Bangladesh pajamas. Mm. The way I sleep comes from the Indian word naked. (laughs) (laughs) Your birthday suit. Boy, you're lucky if I got a sheet on. (laughs) Wake up in the morning like a pup tent. (laughs) Yes, we go camping every morning. (laughs) Wow. Up until recent years, 90% of fashion clothing was sold in shopping centers and malls. Now, of course, the online presence and because of COVID, we have a totally different way of shopping. Everything's done online and sent to us. And then we can send all the clothes back because they don't fit. Because we seem, we, we, we think we're skinnier 
in our brains than we do in our actual physical bodies. <laughs> yeah. Blame it well, on... I used to fit in a 36. <laughs> blame it on COVID. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we blame everything on China. Those Chinese made clothes, they're made smaller. That's right. But anyway, well, we, th we can thank the Romans. The Romans invented the shopping center. They were super smart, the Romans. They said, we want to be able to give people a place to shop where they could get all of their items and needs in one place. So they created the shopping marts of Rome, which then became the craze to have shopping marts all over the place. So because of the Romans, we have malls. I wonder if the first mall ever made was called the Colosseum. Yeah, probably, you know, something like that. <laughs> Welcome to the Caesar Mall. The hooded sweatshirt called the hoodie is a garment that originated in the 1930s in the United States for workers in cold New York warehouses. The modern clothing style was first produced by Champion in the 1930s and marketed to laborers working in freezing temperatures in upstate New York. The term hoodie mm -hmm. entered popular usage in the 1990s. Wow. And of course, uh, when um, they sent all our jobs overseas, the hoodie became the best known uh, clothing worn by bank robbers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Get ready for this one. I found this interesting. This may be a takeaway for, for um, probably ladies from the show. Queen Victoria was the first person to wear a white wedding dress. Before that, white was considered the color of mourning. Really? Not black? In, yes. In fact, today in places like India and parts of uh, Asia and uh, Middle East, people still do not wear white for weddings. They wear it to mark a death. So we've heard of yeah. Spanx. Uh, Sarah Blakely is responsible yeah. for Spanx. Sarah Blakely I was so like what? I love it. I say I've been a bad boy. No, not spanking. Oh, oh, no, oh, no, no. <laughs> Although it depends on, on how you look at this story. Sarah Blakely was selling fax machines from door to door. Remember fax machines? No, no. I spoke about depends before <laughs> my pee pee pants. That's right. So you have depends Spanx. You're stylish and dry. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah Blakely was selling fax machines. Remember those way back when, uh, kids? If you don't know, don't mm -hmm. know what fax machines are, just look them up on Google. Uh, she sold them door to door in the heat and humidity of Florida. She tried unsuccessfully to find pantyhose that didn't have seamed toes, and didn't roll up on the leg after she cut them. So she came up with the name Spanx because Kodak and Coca Cola and I'm doing that intentionally, have strong K sounds in their names because she read that the founder of Kodak liked the sound so much that he used it at the beginning and the end of his brand name, right? Kodak. The name Spanx eventually came to Blakely, and she decided to replace the KS to X. So that's why it's spelled S-P-A-N-X, Spanx. Spanx. You're welcome. So she changed the K... X, which totally diverts away from what she thought in the first place. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, she sells a lot of underwear, I'll tell you that. An average woman will buy 145 handbags in a lifetime. 
Whoa. This is why, yes, this is why I say to my wife that she is so above average. (laughs) (laughs) She loves shoes and handbags. If the average age is 75, that's less than two handbags a year. So did you hear that, honey? You're like 10 times more than average. In fact, she has already lived five lifetimes in bag years. (laughs) <laughs> you gotta you gotta hand it to her <laughs> you're listening to totally useless information with nick and roy and now it's time for totally useless information with nick and roy as they present dreams wake up wake up dreams Welcome to Dreams, a brand new topic here on Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Someone from our um, from our mailbag said, you know, we love your show. Thank you very much, but we'd like to suggest a topic. So this is courtesy of Russ Courtney, who suggested that we do a topic on dreams. We thought this would be a great topic for you guys because we love listening to your show. And what better way to celebrate useless information than talk about dreams? So... Thanks. If you think of Roy and I know a lot about dreams, you must be dreaming. Well, I do dream. Heidi Klum. Yes. But, but go ahead. That's another story. <laughs> so, um, so I have uh, a few topics here. So if you dream about amnesia, to dream of amnesia represents you or someone who has a poor memory of something. You may not remember something that other people do. Alternatively, amnesia mm. may represent you or someone else that has blocked out or rejected a negative aspect of yourself. That's pretty interesting. What I want to know is how could anyone remember if they dreamt of amnesia? Hmm, true. Um, can I ask you a question? Yes. Who are you and what am I doing here? <laughs> totally useless information <laughs> with Nick and Roy. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And all you have to do is hit nickandroy.com and you go directly to our website nickandroy.com you'll be glad you did tell all your friends okay dreams if you dream that you're staring into an abyss it means that you will be confronted by threats of seizure of property oh yeah it could also mean that you're anticipating a quarrel or reproach who wrote this? Some some amazing, like, literal, like, uh, genius? Let's use all the big words that we can. <laughs> okay, but anyway, so if you stare into an abyss, it could mean that there's somebody's going to steal your property, or it could mean that you're ready, you're about to fight with somebody. Or, as I think, it could mean that you're curious at what's at the bottom of the damn big hole. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. If you're dreaming of ants, it represents minor daily annoyances where they were in a few numbers. So you may be easily irritated and frustrated by minor things in your life. If you just see one single ant in your dream, it may present your own feelings and emotions of being small and insignificant. Wow, that's so funny because me and Nick really don't talk about what we're going to say. We just talk about the actual topics, and he spoke about ants. So (laughs) this is funny. To see an aardvark, (laughs) which is an anteater. 
there. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> in your dreams, I thought this was wild, indicates that you are being secretive and cautious about your business. Okay? Or it means that you're lost in the woods and standing on an anthill. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but it's a big secret, so you would never know. We would never know where you were standing. Yeah, but if you see an aardvark, it means that you're secretive and cautious about your business. I heard about that. Someone told me. I don't remember who. Bobbleheads. If you're dreaming of a bobblehead, you know you get those at sporting events and whatnot, right? The dream of a bobblehead represents a tendency to go along with what other people think. So you're always saying yes, like a bobblehead, right? Total agreement, no yep. matter what. Negatively, however, it may be a sign that you need to start thinking for yourself. Don't let other people think for you. Right, Roy? Yes, Nick. Listen, my wife drives a little 124 Fiat convertible. It's yeah. so small, that car. Yeah. She says, when I get in it, I look like a bobblehead. <laughs> I'm sure that's the only and reason. And I go, yes, dear. Yes, dear. Okay. To see... An abacus. <laughs> of course, I had to pick these because I was like, who the hell dreams of an abacus? Yes. But anyway, to see an abacus in your dream, the centuries-old Chinese bead calculator refers to outdated ideas, that you have an old-fashioned perspective on issues. Or it could mean, as I think, that you're broke and can't afford a real calculator, which you need because if you had a calculator, maybe you wouldn't be so broke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can count on that. <laughs> on one hand. On one hand. <laughs> if you're dreaming about a bra, it is, I don't know how, how many times this has happened to you, but to dream about a, draw, a bra... <laughs> to dream about a bra is generally associated uh, with bra. speaking English, right? To dream about a bra is generally associated with protection and security. Perhaps you're trying to protect yourself from getting hurt in a situation in your waking life. Wearing a bra or putting on a bra could indicate your need for dignity and self-respect. Mm. I don't know why, but I constantly dream that my hands are a bra. <laughs> <laughs> you get no self-respect no 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 i don't to dream get ready guys here's another cool one to dream you're at the academy awards oh. means that you need some glamour in your life but wait it gets better if you dream that you won an academy award it implies that you were looking for acknowledgement in your life and to me, if you dream you're watching it on TV, you'd be the only one because nobody watches the Academy Awards anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And the award goes to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Throw away your totally useless GPS. It's time for Geography. So get lost with Nick and Roy. NickandRoy.com is where you go to find out all kinds of uh, episodes, our full library, our past episodes are on the website. Plus, you can email us, NickandRoy.com. Roy, what do you got in your world of geography? What I got is NickandRoy.com. I love our website. <laughs> it's going places. Attention fish. 
<laughs> I like starting off that way. Attention, fish. Yes. Because Asia is moving closer to North America, the Pacific Ocean is shrinking. Yes, it is by three centimeters a year. So if I was a shark, I would be very concerned. I would too. Now, because the attention span of a goldfish is three seconds, you'd have to repeat that whole thing all over again. What? If you had the attention span of a goldfish, uh, it <laughs> you know how, how Britons love their tea? And you're thinking, well, how does Britain become the place where, where tea is, is uh, you think it's a, it's a staple? It is a staple. You think it came from uh, England. But no, it didn't. It was Catherine of Brazanza, a Portuguese woman, who was the first person to drink to the Isles. After she wed King Charles II in 1662, her favorite libation was tea from China, quickly caught on to the royal palace, quickly caught on to the regular palace. Sorry, my dentures are slipping. Quickly caught on at the royal <laughs> palace, then the rest of the country. More than 300 years after Catherine's introduction, actually more than 400 years, it's estimated that the British now drink over 175 million cups of tea every single day. You know, we had on one of our other shows, because, you know, we, we, we try to keep it funny and stuff, but we had on one of our other shows that the English didn't get as sick during plagues and stuff because of the fact that they drank tea all day long and they had to boil the water, which killed any disease. So the tea was a very good thing to drink during times of plagues when people were drinking regular water, they were getting sick from it. So pretty cool, pretty yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. Because, here's mine, because of the San Andreas Fault... Los Angeles, because I'm talking about all these continents moving and stuff, but because of the San Andreas Fault, Los Angeles is moving closer to San Francisco every year. That means in 15 million years from now, they will actually meet each other. Los Angeles will be directly right next door to San Francisco. Someone needs to tell all of the San Fran homeless that their zip code is about to change. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or You'd another be like, well, yesterday I was on the Golden Gate Bridge and today I'm on the Walker Hollywood uh, Stars Walk of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Thailand. Okay. Thailand is the place where it has an annual festival. Its nation pays homage to its many monkeys. During the Monkey Buffet Festival, <laughs> residents of Lobbury provide four and a half tons of fruit, veggies, and candies to over 3,000 monkeys that live around the ancient temple of Fra Prang Sam Yat. Mm -hmm. And the monkeys uh, reciprocate by throwing their uh, defecation at the people. That's right. <laughs> monkey poop. <laughs> no, then the next week it's the Monkey Poop Festival. Ah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's it's the, it's the free fertilizer festival. Oh, my God. Underneath Yellowstone National Park, attention, ladies and gentlemen, underneath Yellowstone National Park is one of the few super volcanoes in the world. If it erupts, say goodbye to half of the United States and parts of probably uninhabited Canada. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. The last time that the supervolcano erupted in that area was 640,000 years ago. Trust me, Nick was there. So, what? here's a tip. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the goldfish thing there. Okay. So here's a tip. If you see smoke coming out of the ground, what the hell are you doing there? Run. It's not rocket science. Don't go there. This is super volcano <laughs> under Yellowstone. Yes. If there's smoke coming out of the ground, uh, either the volcano is erupting or they've elected a new pope. <laughs> In Egypt, they are the founders of bread. Bread was invented in Egypt around 8,000 B.C. The quern was the first known grinding tool. Grain was crushed, and the bakers produced the first examples of where it was flat and unleavened, like the chapati in India or tortillas in Mexico. Thanks to Egypt, they were the founders of bread. Wow. I didn't know that. You would think like the Italians would be. They invented bread and butter. Mm. I don't know. True. Or either that or olive oil. Dip it. Oh, I love bread. Yeah. Dipped in olive oil with a little balsamic vinegar and some garlic. Oh, oh my God. Freaking delish. The largest delish. rock, the largest rock in the world can be found in Australia. Let's start by saying that it's 1,650 million years old. You heard that, right? Wow. 1,650 million years old. And get ready for this. It's 2,300 feet tall. Now, that's a rock that will not roll. <laughs> okay. But it can be seen from 100 miles away. In fact, it's actually named, and I don't have the name in front of me, but it's named something Mountain in Australia. But it's not a mountain. It's actually one continuous rock. Wow. Coming up later in the show, we'll talk about sports. We'll open up the mailbag and something completely useless. All coming up on Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Sialkot is a small town in Punjab province of Pakistan. I love the alliteration. Is where 40% of the world's soccer balls were produced. It was a group of Britons who were impatient, tired of waiting for their soccer ball shipments. They requested that some mm -hmm. Pakistani create soccer balls for them. After that, soccer ball production continued on eventually developing to the extent that you see today 40% of the world's soccer balls come from Sialkot in Pakistan. And now for something completely useless. There's only one word in the whole English language that ends in the letters M as in Mary and T as in Tony. So there's only one word that ends with the letters M, T. That's an actual word. There are derivatives, but the word is dreamt. Like if you were sleeping and you dreamt something. And I did this in honor of the new segment, Dreams. There are variations of the words ending in MT, but they're not actual words. Every single word that ends with the letter MT, though, refers to the past tense of sleeping. So can you imagine? So let's use it in a sentence. I dreamt, that's the word, I dreamt mm -hmm. I was walking in a park with Heidi Klum in Liechtenstein. <laughs> I heard a guy on the radio say this. Did you Have you ever dreamt that you were awake? Yeah, I have done that. Yes, really? And that's why I'm glad I wear those Depends. <laughs> <laughs> it was Depends Spanks, remember? You're listening to Totally Use This Information with Nick and Roy. 
Sports Label. It was Joseph G. Sobeck, a professional handball, squash, and tennis player from Greenwich, Connecticut, who invented the game of racquetball. In the 1940s, Sobeck hmm. was working in a rubber factory and designed a rubber ball that is used for the sport today. He, along with a partner, also decided to combine the rules of handball and squash and start the rules for racquetball hmm. known as, at the time as paddle rackets. So Joe Sobeck was a very safe guy because he worked in a rubber factory. That's what I get out of it. <laughs> That's right, yes. And then made a racket. Wow. The guy picked like three sports. He was a professional handball. Or, you handball, know. squash, and tennis three player. Sports. He picked three sports that nobody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> and all combined and made it one sport that no one absolutely doesn't care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't talk about sports. Without paying homage to Liechtenstein! Of course. Well, this will be the country's 17th Olympics. It's the 17th Olympic Games that they're participating in without winning one damn single medal. No. Yes, not one. They won nothing. Okay, it just reminds me of a famous saying that my grandmother taught me. She was German. She said, if at first you don't succeed... Move to Liechtenstein. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Good old Nan. Uh, in Zaire, okay, <laughs> speaking of, uh, well, this is the World Cup. In 1974, the World Cup of 1974 in Munich, national teams were given BMW buses for transportation, you know, to go from the player's village <laughs> to the soccer stadium, right? After being eliminated, Zaire, un unfortunately, ceremoniously were kicked out of the tournament because they lost. They unsuccessfully tried to drive their bus back to Africa. They tried to steal the bus. <laughs> I love them. So, They're great. <laughs> so not only did they fail in, in advancing into the, the World Cup, they also failed to steal the BMW bus back to their home in Africa. Talking about, they were probably not heading towards Africa. They were probably heading to that town in India where they're making all the soccer balls. <laughs> probably. <laughs> like, we're going to fill this BMW full of balls. <laughs> and then run a contest. And if you can guess how many soccer balls are in the BMW, you win the BMW. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Only 10 other quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown half. I'm going to say that again. Only 10 other quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown half as many touchdown passes as who I think is the second greatest quarterback of all times, Peyton Manning. Wow. So only 10 other quarterbacks have thrown half. That, that's insane. Peyton Manning was amazing. I still think that probably Johnny Unitas was the best uh, all-around football quarterback of all times. But Peyton Manning, boy, awesome, close second, really, really great guy. In 1972, the Boston Bruins won the Stanley Cup. Great, cool. You know what happens? They, they put the names of all the players on the rings of the Stanley Cup, right? And then they put the name of the team. Except in 1972, the Boston Bruins' name was misspelled as B-Q-S-T-Q-N Bruins with two Qs instead of two Os. So instead of Boston, oh, B-O-S-T-O-N, no. it was B-Q-S-T-Q-N. 
Sounds like one of those passwords we have. This error was corrected yeah. on the Replica Cup created in 1992-93. Every player whose name was engraved won the Stanley Cup as a member of the Bruins in 1972 already appeared on the Stanley Cup. So the players' names were okay, but the name of the team, you would think Boston Bruins is easy to spell. I guess in that case, uh, there wasn't spell check in 1972. I think that any team from New England is hated so much that they probably did it for spite. <laughs> there you go. I love yeah. this next one. The longest recorded point in tennis history took, get ready, this is one point where they serve and then they're hitting it back and forth. Yeah. 29 minutes. One point. Okay. It featured the ball crossing over the net. 643 times. <laughs> it was a women's match in 1984. When they asked the women about that particular point, the women said, I'm too tired to speak. <laughs> no, but can you imagine that? Now, now, having said that, which I thought was cool, and I think that people should talk about that, 29 minutes, 643 times across the net. But here's the reverse a young Australian player, Bernard Tomic, T-O-M-I-C, Tomic, lost an entire match in 28 minutes. Now, I play tennis. I don't know how that's possible, <laughs> but this guy had to really suck. And he lost by two <laughs> points. That's the irony. He lost by two points. Those women played one point for 29 minutes, and damn stupid-ass Bernard Tomic, he lost in 28 minutes the whole damn match. His nickname, believe it or not, was Tomic the Tank Engine. <laughs> so hold on. What was his nickname he, again? His nickname was Tomic the Tank Engine. <laughs> now okay. listen, I have a better one. I call him... Bernie the Bum or Tomic the Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Game, set, and match. The San Jose Sharks, the NHL team, the San Jose Sharks were founded in 1991, and a contest was held to name the San Jose Sharks because, you know, every, every new team that comes into whatever league, they hold a contest. The San Jose Sharks and Rubber Puckies were one of the finalists. The Blades... One voting, however, but was determined to have too many gang ties. So the team went with Sharks instead. So instead of naming it the Blades, they had too many gang ties. So they went with Sharks. Mm -hmm. I guess they never really saw the movie West Side Story, Jets and the Sharks. I know. But they want to call themselves the Blades? I mean, that's, that's a good name. I mean, you know. Better than Rubber Puckies. So politically correct, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't understand why they just didn't say to whoever was getting upset about it. And look, if you speak one more time, I'm going to stab you <laughs> with this hockey stick. <laughs> the sports term winning hands down. Yes. Okay. We've heard that term. Everybody's heard that. Wow, that person's winning hands down. What does it refer to? Well, it refers to horse racing. The jockeys who won the race without lifting their hands to either let go of the reins and let the horse have more reins or let go to to grab the whip and whip the horse so they were just so comfortable riding and they win the race they go oh my god that jockey won it hands down 
That's pretty cool. Unless, of course, his name was Tomic. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Let's see what we have in the mailbag today. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? www.nickandroy.com. Click on Contact Us, and we will get your email like this person did. Angela. Angela from Anaheim, California writes, Dear Nick and Roy, our family loves listening to your show. We have a great time learning new things, and we often get a good laugh. The kids have a blast. Angela, I'm glad they were your babysitters. But anyway, here's my question, Angela writes. I tell my kids they should always go to school and never play hooky. They ask me, Mom, what does hooky mean? I couldn't answer them, so I figured I would ask you guys. Thanks. Okay. Well, Angela, thank you for, very much for listening to our show, and thanks for trusting us in, in giving your kids some education. The Amer- this Americanism, meaning to skip school, most likely comes from the Dutch hoeki, a name for the game of hide-and-seek, first recorded in the 1840s. However, it's often sometimes suggested that the phrase may have come from the phrasal verb to hook it, meaning to run away or clear out. There you go. You know, Angela, uh, I'd like to speak directly to your children for one minute. Uh, Kids, if you're going to play hooky, the main thing is not to tell your parents and to do it in a way where you get away with it. So here's what you need to do. Try it as many times as you can because you'll get better at it with time. So the more you play hooky, the easier it gets. And the more you don't tell your parents, the easier it is to lie. So, Angela, I hope that's helped you out. Practice makes perfect. (laughs) www.nickandroy.com What's in the mail? Well, we did dreams, we did sports, it's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. Five foul-mouthed parrots have been separated after encouraging each other to swear at the Lincolnshire Zoo in England. The parrots, named hmm. Billy, Eric, Tyson, Jade and Elsie, so there's a woman in there, joined Lincolnshire mm-hmm. Wildlife Center's colony of 200 gray parrots in August. This just happened. Did you say Lichtenstein? No, Lincoln, Lincolnshire, just outside of Lincolnstein. <laughs> but it did not take them long to <laughs> ruffle a few feathers with their foul language. We saw it very quickly, they said. We are quite used to parrots swearing, but we've never had five at the same time. This is according. Who is used to parrots swearing? What kind of people are these people? This it's is like, the... oh, take the one over there, the little bastard. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, f*** you. Anyway, Steve Nichols, CEO, <laughs> Steve Nichols said most parrots clam up outside, but for some reason, these five foul-mouthed parrots relish it. The parrots have since been distributed to different areas of the park, so they do not set each other off. So thanks to the zookeepers mm. there at Lincolnshire Zoo in England, these foul-mouthed yeah. parrots can stay in their own <laughs> corners. Wait until the parrots figure out how to get, like, Bluetooth 
and put microphones on. <laughs> and then they can go through the whole park. Hey, stupid. Why don't you move your effing... <laughs> hey, fatty. Eat enough pretzels along the route? Hey, donkey face. <laughs> yeah. Nick and Roy are the voices of the five parrots in Lincolnshire Zoo. You got the Spanish parrot. Hey, where are you going? Get back here. And there you go. If you have any news items that you can pass along to us, go to nickandroy.com and send us an email. In the meantime, that's all the time that we have for this week's episode. We will scour the Internet far and wide for more useless information for next week. So in the meantime, tell a friend about the trend by sharing and subscribing because it does help us out a lot, guys. We want to thank everybody for making this show so successful all around the world. We're listened to now, and we want to thank you. And go to www.nickandroy.com. Leave us a message. You'll be on the show. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.